0: Uh, well, hello, and welcome back to another Our Generation on Air episode. My name is Alex Bullamore, and uh, I hate Keith Stroud. Today, I'm joined by Dan Lambert, who also hates Keith Stroud, and Mirika Chadley, who I believe also hates Keith Stroud. And joining us for the first time, also with a strong dislike for Keith Stroud, is Cam Anderson-Jones. Guys, welcome. How are we all feeling today? I hate Keith Stroud. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was a rocky night, wasn't it? Um, I think that uh, I don't think anyone got a good night's sleep, let's be honest. And I think we were all thinking of Keith Shroud. So, um, yeah, that's all I want to say.
0: Yeah, so um, if you listeners can't tell, we're all still crying, wounded, bruised, and utterly despondent from our cock up against Sunderland last night. Um, So, let's move on to the slightly less, I guess, disappointing loss to Peterborough at the weekend. Um, where, where do we start here? Like, usual story, really?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I thought it was a bit of naivety. I've said it a few times um, in the group chat and whatever. Um, it just seems like sometimes, especially away at Peterborough, one point's better than none. Um, and we were pushing in it, pushing for it um i think last year it was a similar situation we always give ourselves a good account against top six sides against against the sides that we're meant to lose against we always do quite well against and then um yeah we play teams in the bottom 3 or, or teams that we're expected to be and they come and do us over and to be honest it was a carbon copy of bristol city only what a month ago uh, to be honest and i just thought it was quite naive yet again
2: i mean we started um we started slow as well um I think they had a decent goal in like the fourth or fifth minute from a corner. I, I, I missed the goal, but apparently someone who I know went and said it uh, said it could have could have been a goal. But um, no, we just we just looked last, lackluster really. Uh, final ball wasn't there, and um, yeah, like like Cam said, it was just a carbon copy of Bristol City.
0: the The team selection, um, I think the most controversial point from it was Willock not starting. Um, what, what what do we think about that do we think that because that we lack some sort of creativity you know they willick and chair link up really well um when we're firing and without him we, did we just look a little bit weaker
2: um yeah i'd i'd say so i think the thing with playing two strikers is you've got to give them service and we didn't we didn't give them much So i think they austin had that chance where he should have scored i think dykes had the the shot earlier, but we didn't give them too much service to to deal with, so that could be to do with Willock. But um, yeah, I think it, it pays off if if we went on and beat uh, Sunderland, which I'll talk about. But it, it, the, the, t- the decision didn't pay off at all.
0: Micah, what do you think?
3: I've got to be honest. I only caught the second half of this one, um, but I think that the word is naivety. Really, um, I just think there was also a little bit of an element of it kind of seemed like everybody from the players to the fans to the staff thought the game was won before we even played it. Um, And I mean, you know, I don't think it's too much for the fans to think that we should be able to beat Peterborough United away from home. But that sort of mentality, it just can't bleed down to the players, in essence, because once you go into a game thinking it's won, You're on the back foot already. I'm not sure if that was the case. Like I said, I missed the first half. But in the second half, it seemed very, especially after the goal went in, it seemed very much like, oh, you know, we're going to win this now. Like, let's just go through the motions a little bit. And that's when things started going wrong, really. Um, That's how I saw it anyway.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cam, you're a Willock super fan. What did you think of the selection price of the match?
1: Um uh i mean he's not going to start every game is he like chairs not going to start every game willocks not going to start every game we've already seen that the strikers are going to be rotated so i mean it was going to happen at some point but i'm just not sure that was quite the right game for it to be honest um he's he is our main creative outlet i mean chair as well but willock and chair together they kind of come as a pair these days um and, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan, personally, of starting uh, Charlie, Austin. Um But, yeah, I thought maybe we'd have enough. I thought the balance was quite good uh, on the left and the right with McCallum and Adoma that could potentially make up for it. But, um, yeah, there was still a big void when, when Willett was there. And, to be honest, I think it now shows how, how important he is to the team now.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he was to – if Warburton was to rotate – like a key player like him, um, you know, I, I'd want want both of them, Cher and Willock starting every game. But, you know, with the fact that the EFL have handed us a horrible fix to schedule this week, you know, with the game on Sky on Friday against Forest. Obviously we had okay. Sunderland last night. Not so again, this comes back to I guess the naivety, but would was this not the best time with the fact that we were playing a team that had only just come up, you know, is this a team that we really should be beating? I
1: think regard? I think that we should have prioritised the Peterborough game over anything. I know that obviously it's a great opportunity to go on for a cup run and we were in such a sticky situation that like, look, everyone wants to do well in the league because we feel like we can do well this year and everyone wants to go to the quarterfinals finals because when was the last time we said we could go to the quarterfinals? finals I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it's a sticky one, but I mean, I would have definitely started Willock against Peterborough. Um, I think it, look it's a team that you kind of technically did have to break down a, a little bit. And then, obviously, Sunderland, um, he played. And I mean, I wouldn't say he had a massive impact on the game against Sunderland either, but yeah. Um,
0: you mentioned Austin then Dan, this question for you. You know, we, everyone loves him. We know what he's done in the past. We know what he can do at the moment, but does there need to be a bit of a serious conversation ad with Austin or just a, that it is what he, the way he plays right now? Um, or should, you know, should he be starting at all? Really?
2: Uh, well, I don't, I don't think he should be starting. I think my, well, at least my preferred formation would be to have Cher and Willock, um, both behind Dykes. He, I think he's up. I think it's quite clear that a lot of our fans think he's our best striker. Um, Yeah, I don't. I don't know about the conversation. I mean, he he's still he's still a pretty good finisher for um, well, at this level at least. He's obviously lost a bit of pace and he lacks mobility, so that that, that's a factor that you have to work around him. But I don't think he should be a starter. Um, Yeah, perhaps give a bit more uh, game time to Andre Gray.
0: Well, actually, I'm glad you mentioned Gray because you know he played last night. Both of Austin and Gray, I think, have at times come under criticism for looking unfit. Um, you know, against against Fulham, especially, Austin looked really laggy. and I didn't see the Peterborough game, so I don't know what he looked like against them. But I don't certainly don't think we can be starting with him. Micah, do you, Austin and and Gray? What, what do you think the problem is with them? Because they look, you know, on paper they should be scoring goals for us, but they look a little bit just off the pace, a little bit.
3: Yeah, um, Austin, uh, I'm particularly concerned about, but um, I'll get into that afterwards. With Andre Gray, I remember thinking when he first came into the team, feeling a little bit bad for him because I remember he scored against Reading and then he was out the team and then he was back in the team and then he scored against West Brom and then he was out the team. So he hasn't really been able to get a run of games together as of yet. Now, I suppose you could argue, you could say, oh, he's not playing well. So why should he play? The minutes he's played, why should he play? Um, You could also say, oh, you know, he doesn't really suit the dynamic of the team unless we're playing against teams that press us quite high. Um, But I think there's still a good striker in there, to be honest with you. I, I think there is still a good championship striker in there. Maybe not the striker he was at Brentford or at Burnley, but I still believe we can get 15 goals out of him in a season I believe we genuinely can create those chances for it Um, Austin on the other hand I'm starting to get concerned with because he's starting to get into that embarrassing to watch kind of territory and I hate to say it I know we all love Charlie, he's a club legend he always will be, in my eyes that number nine shirt is his Um, but it's starting to get into the like what's going on it's, it's it's almost painful to watch it's like in the space of like six months from when he first not six oh my god it's october in the space of 10 months since he came into the club it's like he was firing him in then we have the summer and now he looks a completely different player he, he never had a lot of pace but what pace he had seems to have gone um he doesn't really seem to you know get involved in the build-up which isn't really his thing he's a poacher but he doesn't really get involved in the build-up. So if you're not going to do that, you have to be scoring. And at the minute, he's not scoring goals and he doesn't even look like he's going to score goals. So I am very concerned about him. I will never, ever say Charlie Austin shouldn't play for QPR, Charlie Austin shouldn't be in the team or whatever, but I'm starting to get very, very concerned about him.
0: Yeah.
1: Anyone else have any thoughts about Charlie? Um, yeah, it's a weird one. I, I, I said it to my dad last night, actually, when we were at the game and once upon a time um I think it was hull that they said that charlie had some knee issues or whatever and he he basically said that was a load of rubbish or whatever but i mean the, the way that he's moving these days it, it makes me question if that he did have knee problems and, and still does have knee problems because look i know he's getting on etc but sometimes the way he moves you just think like over the course of two, like two three years ago, you can't have like lost that amount of pace. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, like Mike said, um, he, he is a poacher, and he, to be honest, he does guarantee goals somehow. Like in the box, I think there was an opportunity where he had a volley. Like when he's in that box, he's a different player. But that's that is when you need your creative players. You you need your chairs. You need your Willocks. You need. Domers, McCallums, whatever, they, they need to be creating the chances because Charlie Austin ain't going to go and skip past three players and score a wonder goal anymore. It's just it's just not going to happen.
0: So with all this considered, um, come January, is this a position we need to be looking to strengthen with the possibility of another loan or perhaps the recall of Macaulay Bond? And that's an
1: open question for any of you. Um, I think Bond needs to go, to be honest. I don't know if, um i don't know if you guys saw the interview as well on talk sport um it's not fully out yet but there's a i think a minute clip um because it was his birthday the other day and bon essentially spoke and said um in the future um hopefully i'll be at ipswich and i can't wait to play against norwich and score so many goals etc um and to be honest, if his heart's at Ipswich, I don't mind that either because at the moment he scored 10 goals this season. Um, who was it last year? The Peterborough striker, uh, Johnson Clark-Harris, I think it was, um, something along those lines. He scored, I think it was 20-plus goals and people were linking him to like Brentford for 15, 15 10 million, etc. So, well, I mean, in my opinion at the moment, Bond's got 10 goals this season. We're not even halfway through the season. What could he get by the end of the season? And then what? If he can go for 10 to 15 million, why can't Bond suddenly go for, I mean, to be honest, he's not worth that much, but why can't he? Because he's a similar age. He's produced the same amount of goals. And if Ipswich want him in January, by all means, but it's not going to come cheap. And I think certainly we're not going to make a loss in him now.
3: Yeah, I tend to slightly agree with Cam on that one. I think Bond should stay at Ipswich, to be honest with you. He looks like he's enjoying his football. He never looked like he was really enjoying it that much with us. So just from a personal standpoint, um, from a financial standpoint as well, I'm not sure we'll be able to get them type of figures, but I think we could, if he was to stay at Ipswich and get 20 plus goals, which he's on course to do, you're looking at probably a healthy profit from whatever it is that we paid for him. I know the figures are a bit sketchy. Um, Though I, I, I don't know. He could score goals in the championship. I don't think he really got a fair crack of the whip the second half of last season. I think he could score goals in the championship, but I just don't think he wants to do it at QPR anymore. And I don't think that's going to be a help to anyone. If he does, by all means, come back at the end of the season. Um, In terms of getting a striker in, in January... um, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I wouldn't be totally against it, but I think we do need to have one eye on, obviously, we've got Charlie Kelman out on loan. I know he's not really banging them in at the moment, but we need to keep an eye on his development. And um, I believe we've got, I've completely forgotten his name, even I bang on about him all the time, on loan at Torquay.
0: Sinclair Armstrong. Armstrong. Sinclair, Armstrong. Sinclair Armstrong.
3: Armstrong, yeah, and he scored he on the score, Yeah. Yeah, got but he got glowing today.
0: reviews from Torquay e fans. Apparently, like pace, strength, everything. So you know, it won't be too long before Twitter is uh, losing its mind over him.
3: Mind over him, yeah. The uh, Ilias chair at Stevenage style. Um, so I'm not. I'm not by any means saying that Kelman and Bond should be going into the team straight away. What I am saying is, if we do get a striker in, we have to think about: are we blocking a development pathway? For two of our most highly rated youngsters, that would be the only kind of thing I would say.
0: I think um, with that, the only thing I'd say is you know Austin is going to probably retire after not, le- next year, I'd say, and you know Grace going back to Watford, and I don't think there's any sort of buzz around him signing because his contract's up, isn't it? With Watford at the end of this year, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. so I don't think there's any buzz right now around him signing. So all of a sudden, you've you know within two years you're going to lose two strikers perhaps maybe is it i know january buying is always risky is it maybe time to look at maybe buying another striker from somewhere i know it's gonna it's not gonna come cheap because you know strikers are strikers they're inflated price but what, i don't know what you think daniel well i mean i'm not sure of strikers per se the priority
2: i think shares going away to the african um, nations in january and a lot of the creative burden to create chances before we even score them, is going to be on Chris Willock. So potentially, do we look for someone like Chair, maybe a loan or something, to yeah, so that he can, he can find that spark? Um, because, I mean, I know some of our strikers aren't scoring at the minute, but as long as... And I don't think we're creating the chances we were um, at the point last season. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think the strikers are right for the minute. I think we need a, a creative midfielder of anything. Just
3: to add to that as well, I think what people were kind of hoping when the new wing backs came in was that not only were they going to provide a bit of pace, but they were going to give us a little bit of something in the final third. Obviously, McCallum came in and McCallum, he's not really like a, you know, final third fullback. He's more inv- involved with the build up, and he'll help you out defensively. I think the problem we have is that Kakai is strictly a very defensive player. So when he plays on the right side, we basically have nothing from our wing-backs. And um, Moses Odebajo, whatever you think of him as a player, I think we can all accept that he's not quite delivered what we thought he was going to deliver. So at the minute, we've got Adoma playing right wing-back, 34 years old, however he is. You can't do that week in, week out. Although we do look better with him at right wing-back, he obviously can't do that week in, week out. So we have to consider, is... Is the striker the most important thing, or is the most important thing, like Dan said, getting creating chances scoring for our strikers? Yeah. Is it a creative midfielder? Is it a wing back? You know, is it a defensive midfielder? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think Dan's right. I'm not entirely sure striker
2: is the top priority right now. I think, um, also just on the wing back, I think quickly, I think we've missed, we've missed clearly missed, um. Wallace going forward into the final third is delivery and I think like Michael said with um Adoma being 34 I think we've got to be a bit careful with um Wallace coming back with his injury so I think that balance of maybe one game Wallace and one game Adoma you've got that balance either side and you can rely on those two to to give us that um output in the final third
0: okay uh yeah it sounds good um Let's move on. We've put it off long, as long as we can. The, uh, I guess, elephant in the room, Sunderland last night. It's the reason why most of the fan base is all pretty despondent today. And it was just, it was just awful. Like, it wasn't, not in the sense of like a performance. I don't think we were absolutely terrible performance wise. It wasn't our best. But to lose in that manner, it's just sickening, isn't it?
1: Like yeah, I um I'm gonna forget about the decision for now. Um but looking at it from a point of view that I don't think that we I don't think we deserve to win the game and I don't think they deserve to lose, but I don't think I think probably a draw was probably the right result, but um look, I think they they really squeezed upon us, they didn't let us have a second on the ball. I didn't expect it from Sunderland, to be honest, but they did press us. Um, and we literally had no options. We we hung around with the ball with, with Device or Dickey or Barbe and then quickly go back to Diang and then it was a hopeless flick for well, it wasn't hopeless. I thought uh Dyke's hold-up play was as good as what he could kind of provide, to be honest. Um they were Chair and Willock were so deep that they couldn't really run off him and it was just grey running about a little bit. Um I don't think. I don't think we were good. I don't think they were anything special either. Um, I think that the five back played into their hands, to be honest, because it looked, I don't know what they actually did line up with, but they, it looked like they were playing a 4-2-3-1 or like four-three-three or something like that. But anyway, the wingers were basically in this really awkward space between the centre backs and the wing backs that... I mean, especially down the right hand side, in my opinion, like Kakai was caught out of position. He didn't know if to go with the winger. Then Dicky would be one on one, and I mean, for the first half, their left winger—I can't say his name—was uh, having an absolute field day.
2: I mean, it kind of it kind of fell down to the system itself. I mean, when we saw the lineups, it was like everyone was saying how much running A- A- Luke Amos is going to have to do. It looked from from my point of view. I mean, I wasn't at the game, but it looked like it was. Very much a, a different QPR in the sense that we were a lot more direct, a lot more long balls. There was no, like Cam said, there was no, there was no clean build-ups with midfield options. It was very, it felt very hit and hope a lot of the time to to Lyndon Dykes, and uh, there was no runners off. Yeah, it just it just seemed we seemed second best for some of the some of the game at least.
0: The thing that infuriates me there is that me and my dad watching the Fulham game, watching us trying time after time after time to play out from the back and Fulham had us on toast the whole game. We couldn't, we, you know, it was the same old story of the defenders would try and pass out, but there'd be nothing on because Fulham were playing really well, okay? They shut us down, whatever. But we were so reluctant, we wouldn't hit it long. We wouldn't even consider hitting it up to Austin just once because he's not the biggest striker, but he can win the ball in the air. And it, we never did it. And then last night, it's long ball, long ball, long ball, because, again, there's no movement. There's nothing there. I mean, Amos was kind of... There's been a couple of times where Warburton and his team selections and his substitutions has thrown certain individual players to the Wolves I'm thinking sort of Dazelle and uh, Thomas against uh, Barnsley and, you know, to a certain extent, Johansson against Fulham taking off Don Ball to leave just Johansson to try and deal with two fantastic midfielders himself. Like, it, it just wasn't... It just leaves leaves Amos with so much to do, and it's never gonna actually work because when he came on against was it oh, who was it? When, it? when it Amos came off the bench the other day, it was Blackburn. So it? Blackburn, Blackburn. Yeah. He was when he was on with ball, he was pressing, he was energetic, and he was winning the ball back. Not everything went right, but he put it, you know, he put a
1: bit of pressure on Blackburn, and, and he was a lot higher up the pitch as well. Because yeah. like, Ball was next to him, sitting there, and then obviously <clears throat> last night he was like the anchor. He he was like Ball. He uh he had to sit and protect the back. Well, yeah, because right.
0: like Chair would come back event sometimes, but Chair, you want you don't want Chair in that position. No. you want him further forward. Like you said, no. Willock and Chair were too deep, so it was just Dykes and Chair and Gray at times up top. Um. I did think Amos did the role, it was an admirable performance. It it was, you know, it wasn't the worst he was performance. Great. Like he he, he worked he really great. hard. And it's disappointing because he is showing sort of a little bit of the form of why Warburton rates him so highly when other people and you know, myself included, two years ago, sort of like this kid just isn't quite there. I don't quite get it, but he's showing it now, but he wasn't given the opportunity a fair chance to actually affect the game um
3: yeah it's interesting in it with Amos because I think since he's come back he's only really had short cameo. I think this is his, is this his first start if I'm remembering correctly so this is his first start in his cameos I feel like he hasn't skipped a beat yet
1: like you can do not consider- think better coming off the bench as an impact with those fresh legs high energy pressing
3: I don't know it's interesting you said that about his pressing because I was thinking before the pod yesterday obviously our issue seems to be that we just cannot press and I think at times last season we were looking right in a 4231 when he was like yeah. the, the quote unquote pressing number 10 so I I wonder if Warburton's considering maybe playing him higher up the pitch well,
1: I'm like to, try it, to be yeah, honest I'm, I'm,
3: yeah I mean if it's does 3421 where we have like chair and Willet. If Willock has to sit a game out or Chair has to sit a game out, you could try Amos up there. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because Dykes will press. Um, Amos will press. Willock's not an amazing presser, but he'll, he'll do it for the team. So I think if you've got pressing from the front, who was somebody on Sky Sports was talking about um, Ronaldo. If Ronaldo would press, it encourages the rest of the front three to press. I don't know if that's necessarily true, I think there is an element of truth in it where if you are pressing from the front, it doesn't, it does encourage the players behind you to press.
1: I think you as know. well, Steph, Steph is a really good presser as well. Um, but if he's, if he's next to Willock and Cherry can't go and press, I think if you, who was it last season, uh, home against Bournemouth. Steph he scored, pre- he scored. Yeah. He scored off the pressure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Steph, I mean, he's, he's not in his prime years, let's be honest, but he he still likes to press get on the front foot. Um and I think he could be like an attacking asset as well. And I'd really, I'd like us to try a 4, four two, three, one again or something like that. And I mean, coming off the bench as well, I've always been impressed with Duke McKenna so far and I don't see why he can't yeah. come on and be one of those forward three players.
3: Yeah. I think I like that's just, Duke
0: McKenna. No. Good that you mentioned the formation there because one of the questions I was going to ask later on was, do we think that to get something just a little bit for, a, you know, just change it a little bit for now, just see what something different works. Cause I was thinking I had a lot of time to myself at work today. So I was sort of mapping out, out formations and stuff like that. And if you had like a, a four at the back, choose whatever center backs you want. I don't mind device, Barbe, Dicky. they're all kind of the same. Yeah. Um, but the midfield of ball or field sitting as a holding defensive midfielder, just keep their job very simple. Ball's really good when he just wins the ball back and moves it on. Doesn't have to think about anything else and then Amos and Johansson in front of them chair and Willock wide players i guess but they've got the freedom to do essentially what they want and link mm-hmm. up on either side do we not think that would give a bit more balance you've got the pressing like we said of johansson and amos I, I, and then dykes up front i would just for a little bit because the whole point the re, i don't really like the five at the back I, I didn't i hated it under Wh- holloway I don't understand why people love Shoek, to be honest because he was very <laughs> average. Like he just was. He
1: was an average player. I don't get it. My only concern is that if I feel like in the summer we've recruited based on the five, yeah, uh, three, two, one, or the five back or whatever, we've got three, four good centre backs, etc., wing backs, etc. Um, we don't quite have the depth. Of the three behind, but I'm still, I still want to use it. I think we've obviously got Chair Willock, Stephen Duke McKenna, Adoma can play on the wing. I feel like we could say Amos can play in the 10. Let's not forget Dykes used to play left wing for Livingston. I'm not, I'm not going to say I want to play him there, but he could do it. Um, I'm sure Gray can play on the wing. Like, I'm not against trying it at all. Like I really do want to try it, but I feel I like think, in January. I feel this like in January as well, we'd have to go and recruit in one of those forward free areas. I think there's going to have to be some sort of
0: recruitment anyway, but this is just, we said it before, Walton just gets a little bit stubborn with these sort of things.
1: I think Meade as well. I, I never wanted Meade
0: to go because I thought he was a good option. He's been injured though as well, though, hasn't he? He's so injury yeah. prone. You just can't mm-hmm. quite trust him. Um, yeah, so I, we've mentioned it a little bit. That we The offside decision... Gonna to have to talk about it eventually. I mean, Keith Stroud, he, he I thought he did okay. He ref the game like a normal human being in the first half. He was a little bit funny about things, but he was okay. And then the second half, it just had to be about him. We've seen it before. I think last season in the uh, semi final f- for Brentford, he sent off Rico Henry. That red card got rescinded. And then Obviously, the one that he's really famous for is Newcastle having the penalty uh, disallowed and then giving an indirect free kick to Burton and yet another gaffe to add to his long history. Guys, what do we think?
3: The decision for me reminded me so much of a Saturday league or a Sunday league ref, whatever league you play. And I don't know if anybody listening um, plays Saturday or Sunday league. But there's a joke amongst anybody that plays Saturday-Sunday League, which is that if you shout loud enough at the ref, you'll get a decision. And a lot of a lot of refs in Sunday League, they will make a decision kind of based on the emotion of the moment or the emotion of the occasion. Like, um, for example, the other week, my team were winning 2-1 and we were all over them. And the ref started giving decisions to the other team. I'm not saying it's because he felt bad, but it felt like that. So with Keith Stroud last night, it kind of felt like, oh, small league one. Well, not small league one team, Sunderland's a massive club. But the smaller side, quote unquote, oh, they've fought hard. It's been nil-nil. It's a goal in the last 10 minutes. And they're all screaming offside at me. If I'm right in thinking the linesman didn't even have his flag up, apparently. I'm not sure if that's true. I've seen that floating about on Twitter today. Um, And Keith Stroud, I feel like he kind of just succumbed to the moment. It was like, oh, well... Everybody shouting offside at me and there's no VAR, so I'm just going to say it's offside. Um, the worst part for me to be honest, is that um, it hit his arm. His arm was out here. <laughs> and it's hit his arm. So if it's not offside, if it's offside, sorry, it's a penalty then, innit? So... Well, not that we'd want to be it.
0: taking <coughs> any penalties yeah. on last night's showing anyway, but... That's <laughs> a yes, good point. Probably would have missed it
3: anyway, yeah. But it's, it was just sh- it's shambolic and I mean I'm not so. I hate every week that championship fans always seem to be complaining about the ref. I hate that. I always feel like just play better, but it has reached a point over the past two or three seasons, the standard of refing in the EFL is just getting worse and worse and worse every season. It's got to the point where I don't even like rely on refs to make the right decision anymore. It's just terrible, terrible at this point.
2: Just It's just deflating really. Um, I think Cam said it on the group chat yesterday about the VAR, about it split across the certain um games. Well, obviously, it's only in the pre- Premier League games. There's got to, I think there's got to be something uh, done about that. Cause no however bad um Keith Stroud is officiating a live game, no one no one's missing that as an off-cycle. Um and that would that would change the game completely. Um yeah, it's just it's just deflating, really. And like Mike said, it should have been a handball. Handball before before even the offside, so they just got they've got two 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 decisions wrong there.
0: Uh, so moving on from the disappointment of Tuesday night, we have another game very quickly because you know Sky Sports on Friday evening. Um, for some reason, they think that we're a good watch right now. Not for QPR fans at least, but for someone, somewhere, they're going to enjoy watching us play Nottingham Forest, apparently. Uh, you know, they they were what do we think of them? They're receivers of another thrashing from Forest. So uh, sorry, from Fulham. So, you know, we've got something in common there. But what can we expect from them?
2: Uh to come in full of form, really. They, I think they've they've won six of their last eight games um under Steve Cooper. Uh, I mean, I haven't caught them too um too much but um i imagine they'll be similar to his swansea side well organized um hard to beat and then they've got the likes of zinkanago and um brennan johnson uh, to provide the creativity creativity and spark
0: Cam, what do you think of uh forest
1: um yeah, well, Steve Cooper's normally a bit of a, well, from what I've seen at uh, Swansea and stuff, he's quite a defensive manager, but seems he's got a lot of attacking options at for us with, what, Lolly, Mitre, Maita, um, yeah, Brendan Johnson. So, I mean, I think they could definitely pose us a, lot, a few issues, to be honest. But, um, look, I think if we control the game, then um, I don't see why we can't win, and especially at home in front of our own fans. Yeah, um, I, I just
0: wanted to have a look at, actually, because we know, know they've recently changed their manager, second Chris, Chris Hewton, and replaced him, as you said, with Steve Cooper. So, you know, the, in the last uh, couple of years, since coming up uh, from League One in 2008, they've had, I think, 17 different managers, including, you know, Martin O'Neill, Karanka, ward Art- own Mark Warburton, Stuart Pearce, Billy Davis has been there twice, Alex McLeish, Sean O'Driscoll, Steve Cottrell, Rob Kelly, Stephen McLaren, Billy Davis, and Colin Calderwood, um, Lamucci as well, obviously, you know, they've tried pretty much everything, and yet they're still here in the championship with us. I mean, we've done, we've gone up, down, and been everywhere since then. Um, what is it going to take for Forrest to actually get out of the league? Maybe another 20 footballers?
3: <laughs> Patience. Patience is always reward. it's not always rewarded in football, but listen, everybody's got their opinion on Forrest. I've got to be honest, I think what they need to do is kind of a little bit of what we did, which is that just go away from this ridiculous transfer strategy of let's get the the hottest thing in the championship and if we can't get him we'll get the second hottest and if we can't get him we'll get the third hottest so on and so forth um i have to say i think the steve cooper appointment is a really 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 good appointment i'm actually surprised he went there um i think that's a good appointment i think if they just stick with him allow him you know something might seem a stretch for forest fans just allow him a couple windows to get the players that he wants in I think it could be a really good team, to be honest with you. I really like Steve Cooper at Swansea. I know his type of play isn't, you know, the most easy on the eye at all times. But um, I I think this is a really good appointment for them. And I think if they just trust him, give him a bit of time, um, I think Forest could
2: be a really good team in the years to come. I think they're um, they're taking that approach, aren't they? They've got Dame Murphy in, um, in the summer. The Bonzi CEO, and they're more into like the, the analytics and recruitment, and all that kind of stuff. So I think they will, I think they will give him time because I think apparently he came up on their their list of managers as like over overachieving um, at Swansea. So they clearly rate him highly.
0: Well, I think that's
3: Definitely, think that point. up to much. To be honest, sorry, Alex.
0: Well, yeah, like Swansea, like they he got him into back to back playoffs. Was it? You know, yeah. in the, you know they were you know, comfortably beaten in the final by Brentford um, last year. But like I said, that Swansea side wasn't exactly oozing quality. They relied heavily on IU, um, but he kind of made it work. I don't know what if that's a criticism or if that's, you know, credit to the man. Like, you know, he's re- you know, relying on one player that's obviously probably, I don't know, one step above the championship and yet in the same and like, I don't think Swansea fans were too disappointed to see him go. I don't know. Um, what Cam? What do we need to do? You know, putting aside whoever they are going to field from their cast of thousands at the weekend. What do we need to do to actually get three points
1: and get back on track? Um, just, just not be silly. Like we cause our own issues ninety percent of the time. Like I don't. I don't sit there and go, well done. What one absolute amazing goal, like fair play. You've scored a great goal there. Like, we can't do anything about that. If if that's the case, fair play. But um, obviously, Peterborough, naivety. I mean, a, a bit of luck in Peterborough's equalising goal, I'd say. Um, you know, I think it was blocked or, I don't know, something along those lines anyway. But um, against Forest, yeah, we've got to hopefully be on the front foot. Um and just like create chances because I mean, one thing I've always said with the Warburton side is that no matter, well, when we had Wells, people were raving about 15 goals, et cetera. Um, And Bristol city thought they were getting this absolutely amazing deal, but it's less about like Naki scoring 15 goals. And it's about the chances that we create. We've always been a team. Well, we've been a team since Mark Warburton took over that we will, we will get a striker probably 15 goals a season because of the amount of chances we create. Um, but at the moment, the chances are starting to dry up a little bit. Um, so look, if we keep on creating chances, we've just got to we've got to take one of them and we've got enough strikers and good enough strikers to do that. And then it's just about not being silly. Like we don't, we don't need to commit all these bodies forward straight away when we've just gone one 0 up and within two minutes they're already level. Like just calm it down. Like do, do what teams do to us, because even when yeah, even when we um, even even when we're two 0 up, we're not slowing the game down or anything. Like the pace is still the exact same. We're looking for three, we're looking for four, and it doesn't play in our favour. Sometimes just a bit of game management would be nice. Yeah,
0: uh, great points, uh, Dan. What do you think of um, what Cam was saying? Yeah, I mean the the chance the chance thing was interesting. I think we
2: are creating chances. Um, I just think it's the it's the quality more than anything, like the amount of big chances. Um I'm trying to I'm trying to go off the top of my head here and think that I don't think we've had many games where we've had more than I'd say one one big chance. And with the with the chances we're conceding at the other end, well probably give the opposition about two, three chances, good chances a game at least, it's not it's not really a good a good sign for us. Um, so we do kind of need to improve in that aspect. But but yeah, I think, I think we just need to take it sens- sensibly, kind of line up with a better balance than we did against uh, Sunderland. And yeah, just hope, hope for the best, really.
0: Yeah, I think, well, I know my dad turned around to me last night, uh, midway through the first half and sort of said, well, we're a second half team anyway, aren't we? And I think that's the main thing that we've got to get over at the moment. Let's stop giving teams head starts and just not stay in the game. But it would be nice for us to come out of the first half thinking, yeah, we've played well there. We've we've played well. We If we're not in front, we deserve to be in front, or we are in front. That's ba- it, it, Basically, I'm just asking for us to play well and be winning. Is that so much to ask for? <laughs> well, I, I know I it's, think it's it sounds- simple, but for God's sake, can we stop giving teams head starts? Like we said earlier on in the season, um, we all have a comeback, but you know, whatever. And it's not sustainable in the long term. And it's proven now to not be sustainable. So let's just, you know, start well straight away. You're at home. The crowd needs something, go out and give them something.
2: I think um also we alluded to it, I think must have been like four or five pods ago. Um about finding first gear because we well at the start of the season at least we were probably in probably second or third gear a lot of the time and then we'd, we'd have them comebacks. and the first gear hasn't really seemed to appear yet um so I think I think a lot some of us did get um ahead of ourselves in terms of thinking that the potential is right out there Um so I think we just need to we just need to get a win on the board and kind of take it from there really
0: Okay, um, let's move on to Cardiff. Uh, you know, they're a team in polar opposite form to Forest. I think their last points came, funny enough, against Nottingham Forest on the 12th of September. So have they, have they been on an eight game losing run? I know yeah, they've. are ridiculous like that, innit?
3: They they've only got start a key for
2: more. Yeah. That's, got, that's criminal in
0: itself, really. That's crazy, innit? That is crazy. I mean considering he bangs goals for Wales like he's I mean, doing
2: that I'd I'd rank him as one of the better championship strikers in the, in the division on his day. Yeah. Um, well, we wanted him before three, we went for Dice. For sure. He is top 3 championship strikers for sure, surely. Yeah, well, I think Wolves wanted him in the summer, but um now they just look I remember watching the uh the is it the South Wales derby Someone Yes,
0: yeah. well, the Welsh derby at least. Um against Swansea. Can piss off a whole nation please Dan? <laughs> no, no, I'm not <laughs> please. No, was, There's other teams in Wales and I'm sure they're no, fantastic. Can, yeah, I'm sure. Cardiff and Swansea aren't everything.
2: <laughs> right. Well, we'll talk about Newport if you want. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they, they look they just looked woeful for a minute. One, they just, they were, they were sitting ridiculously deep. They were just, I think they, they expected um, Kiefer Moore at one point to, to take on three Swansea defenders in a one-on-one from about 30 yards out. It was, it, they just looked like they had absolutely nothing going for them. Um, but obviously that's changed a bit now. They're going to probably, well, presumably get a new manager by the time we uh, we face them and then it'll all
0: be, all be rosy down there. Well, actually, um, I was having a look at the potential replacements for Cardiff and it's the usual suspects with added Chris Wilder for effect. Um, but, you know, like Jodie Morris is quite heavily fancied. Chris Houghton is, you know, could go back in. Jodie Morris... Um Craig Bellamy for some reason. Jesus. Uh, Michael Appleton, <laughs> who always seems to just be in there just oh, he's, to, he's a to good make man up man the job. numbers. Like, I don't know. Like at some uh, point Paul he'll get a championship the, the, job. But...
3: The Chelsea coach is the new Anthony Barry, Chelsea coach, He's the new favorite, apparently, out of nowhere. So right. I follow a lot of Cardiff fans on Twitter, so they've all been discussing
0: that all day. According to Wales Online, um, we, which you know, obviously, a local newspaper-ish thing. Roy Keane was being considered as well. Jesus, they are scraping
3: the bottom of that um, barrel. Well, just wait until <laughs> you saw, hear the some other guys
0: on that list. He's not. I think <laughs> I don't think he would take it personally. But uh, Paul Munster as well has also emerged as a contender, he's currently in charge of. And I'm going to attempt to say this, Bayer Ankara who are top of the Indonesian league. And th- that's something I saw on Twitter from a, uh, well, I don't know, respect to Jonas, but he was certainly verified. So, and, you know, when you're, that is scraping the bottom of the barrel, isn't it? Like, <laughs> But yeah, I think we mentioned eight games, losing run. They have lost in recently to Coventry, Bournemouth, Blackburn, West Brom, Reading, Swansea, Fulham and Middlesbrough. So, you know, majority of the teams we have played against played well at times and beaten or drawn or whatever. Uh, but the Blackburn loss was 5 1 and West Brom beaten 4 0. So embarrassing results in there. Um, obviously, Middlesbrough defeat was one too far for Mick McCarthy. What can we expect, do you think, under from Cardiff? They're under the sort of part time tenorship of Steve Morrison and Tom Ramasat. Steve Morrison, obviously, the ex Millwall striker. What, what, um... Well, you
2: kind of know what you're gonna get, because I mean, well, just li- well from the from the list of managers, they've got to be careful with what they recruit anyway, because they've recruited this side for Mick McCarthy. They've built this direct um kind of long ball style. They've got the likes of um Ryan Giles, who we've played against many times last season. I think it was Rotherham and Coventry had loans that and he's a very good crosser of the ball. Um, you know, they've got the um sweeper striker, Aidan Flint. Um you know, you got you know what that you're gonna get with striker. And, I just I was, I that came thing.
0: out oh my god. That
2: came that came <laughs> out wrong.
0: I came out I, wrong. No, but it, you're you're true, it's true though, he's their top goal scorer. He's got four goals, I think. Is he their top, top scorer? scorer? Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Jesus. Yeah. Um it's not but the first
3: yeah. time he's been at a club and he's been top scorer early this early the season. Isn't he at isn't? Bristol City?
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I can't believe
2: yeah.
0: it. I think what is he doing at the back? <laughs> their second top goal scorer might actually be their. Have a centre back as well, <laughs> because Keith oh, Moore God. has only got one goal. One yeah, no, goal he hasn't started in 16 appearances.
2: Well, they've got they've got two strikers, decent strikers, to be fair, and James Collins and Keith Moore. But I think the one the one big thing I'd say ahead of this game is we don't want to go one nil down against them, regardless of their form, because you know what you're going to get. They're going to sit back. They're going to be hard to break, and we've not exactly been. I don't know, eye-catching against some of the low blocks um, this season, especially when I said um, a minute ago about our chance creation being a bit, a bit down. So that's one thing we can't start the game sloppy. We can't, we can't be second to the balls and stuff like that. Micah, what are you
0: expecting from this game?
3: Uh, again, like Dan said, you have got to remember this is a team that has not only been recruiting for Mick McCarthy, but before that they were recruiting for Neil Harris, and before that they were recruiting for Neil Warnock. So you, you. You know, you put those. What
0: you're possibly trying to say about those managers? (laughs) You
3: put those. All I'm saying is, you put those three managerial styles together. You're not going to get an easy ride. That's that's all I'm going to say. But um, to be honest with you, I think this is a Cardiff squad. I don't want to say the term sleeping giant, but Cardiff City is a football club have been ready for the Premier League for seven, eight, nine years now. It's ridiculous that they'd had their one season there and it kind of all went wrong and they wore a red kit or whatever. But um looking at their squad, I mean Kiefer Moore, obviously, like we said, in my opinion, he's one of the best strikers in the championship. Aiden Flint, like we said, the guy has had a really good championship career. But there's other guys that have had a good careers. Sean Morrison's had a good career. Leandro Bakuna, uh Perry and G from Crew, I've always thought he was a good player. Um, you know, it's a junior Hoylet still there, I believe. Obviously, Alex Smoothie's our old keeper. It's a good squad down there. It's a good squad down there. So, you know. It might just be re- waiting for the right person to make them come alive. I doubt it will be whoever their caretaker manager is, but it could be. You know, um, hopefully not. Hopefully not in time for our game, anyway. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy, even with their, um, even with their lack of foot. I've just seen they've got Marlon Pack as well. So you know, it's not going to be easy. It's a decent squad down there, and they're all going to be very desperate to impress whoever the new manager is going to be. So um, it's going to be a tough game.
0: Tough, tough game. That you don't want to go one nil down in, like Dan said. Yeah, um, in their run of eight losses, they conceded nineteen goals and only put one in, and obviously that was against Blackburn in the five one defeat. So yeah, we have got, got a worse defensive big... record than us. Yeah, it is, it is. It was shocking, isn't it? If you've got <laughs> a worse one than us, um, I, I just want to sort of like run a parallel to sort of last season when we were coming out of a bit of a rut and things have started to change willock scored 1-0 away tuesday or wednesday night in cardiff and you know it wasn't all rosy from that point but things started to change things improved and then january came along and whatever yada 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 this is a similar game to that i'm not going to say it's like make or break for the season but We saw off Neil Harris and after that game, he was sacked. They're looking for a new manager at this point. Will they have like a sort of strong identity? Will they have a good idea of how they're meant to be playing? I don't know by this point, but they're a team in horrible form. And if there's ever a time for QPR to be so not QPR, it's right now. And just get the job done because I think we don't need i mean it'd be lovely it would be cuz you know i'm going to the game mike i think you're going to the game as well yeah. making a long journey down there to cardiff with my mate i don't want to drive down there show him qpr and be completely embarrassed um you know i don't want it to be a wasted journey i want us to win the game firstly but we don't need to win it massively comfortably we just need to get points on the board again forget this week forget Peterborough, forget Sunderland. Hopefully we'd have got a point or, or something, or win against Forest, something positive at least, so that there's a little bit more energy around the group. And we just need to get going again because it feels like it's gone a little bit stale. And I don't care how we do it, we just got to get a win and there has to be confidence going through that side again. Um, We've already kind of discussed a little bit of... Sort of team selection, but it has been a very busy week with Forest in mind. Do you think the likes of Adoma is going to be playing? I can pretty much guarantee that Johansson will probably play unless he's suspended or injured. You know, um, it's hard to guess what we're going to actually play in this game because it's two games on. But who would you expect to be seeing next Wednesday? Um. Well, it's- like you said,
2: it's a tough one. I think I, I have a feeling that despite Cardiff's form and despite them probably up for it, I think we could use that as an opportunity to go for the formation we did against Sunderland, a bit a bit more attacking. I personally wouldn't do that. I, I'd prefer the balance. But it's kind of the game that for Warburton kind of screams that he's going to try and attack them pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. Um, so what the stri- I mean the strikers it's hard to tell the strikers but obviously you've got the likes of chair Willock, probably probably won't be a Domer if he's playing Friday um, well he probably will play Friday but um yeah so there'll be I imagine there'll be a little bit of rotation not probably not as much as I expect because it's a Friday night game rather than a Saturday um, but yeah I, I have a feeling that he might go for the the, the, the all out attack
0: kind of form system at least. Micah, what do you want to see against Cardiff? Um, <clears throat>
3: not sure where his fitness is at. I'd like to see Amos, to be honest with you. Um, I'd like to see what um, Amos can do next to Johansson. Um, again, maybe it'd be a bit harsh on Dumball, I imagine. But I, I don't know. I'd quite, quite like to see. I like the energy that he's brought to our team. I think he would help us press. Um The the real question for me, I think the the back three obviously picks itself and the wing-backs, rightly or wrongly, with the situation we have at the moment, kind of pick themselves. It's it's more like the striker situation, isn't it? That's the big question. Um, I think Austin plays better in a two, but we play better with a one, if that makes sense. Um, I think playing with one up front as well kind of facilitates... Chair and Willock to kind of be free and do whatever they want in behind. Um, so I would start, I would probably start with Dykes, Chair and Willock in behind. Um, I would go with Gil Hansen next to Amos. Um, just, be- just because I think we play so much better when we speed up our passing. I think in the second half of Blackburn the other week, the first half was so slow and lethargic and sluggish and blackburn weren't offering anything but it just they were happy with that because when we started speeding things up i think it was when those um those came off for amos so much quicker the intensity of our passing the way we were moving off the ball is just so much quicker so i think for that reason i would like to see amos start but obviously I, i'm not sure where his fitness is at so that is probably what i'd go with
0: OK, fantastic. And just one last question, a generic one, kind of covering every game, really. Um, what is it that you think is going wrong right now? Is it, you know, are the squad tired? Is there too many fixtures at the moment? Are teams starting to work us out? Or perhaps is there still a bit of a hangover from getting battered by Fulham? What, what, what do we think? Is... How, long, how long have
3: we got? <laughs> no, I'm, five, I'm really five, se- five
0: minutes um, If I was to say just two
2: things to sum up for me it would be the quality of chance creation, I think we could improve that and I mean the, the defence is an issue as a whole but for me it's the adaptability in our defensive areas rather than the whole defence itself um, so that, they're the two things I'd say that need to be fixed for me
3: Yeah obviously we need to cut out the small mistakes Um, lapses in concentration. I think for me, the problem is as well, our plan B seems to be anyway. Whenever we get pressed, the plan B seems to be all right, well, let's knock it long and let's hope that Gray will get in behind. And like, if you've only got one outlet running in behind, that's so easy to stop. That's so, so easy to stop. All you have to do is have one centre back drop off a little bit with him, give him an extra yard, and he's not getting in behind. I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the solution is. And we lack we lack place, we lack pace from back to front. But I think something has to be done because I feel as though teams are working out that if we're pressed high enough and hard enough, we're not going to play. Well, suddenly of them were pressing us like they were Liverpool. It's ridiculous. And we couldn't handle it. It was ridiculous. I couldn't believe what I was watching. So I, I'm not sure how to fix it. That's Warburton's job. But it's it's getting to a dangerous point now where teams are
0: beginning to work us out. Okay, and um, we're going to finish now with our thing that we're best at, predictions. I think we all roundly predicted Sunderland to get beat last week, so <laughs> don't even go there. Um, I said a narrow, I said a narrow one, so I think I was closest. <laughs> right, yeah, whatever. Uh, Dan, Forest on Friday. You going straight to me first. Yeah, um, come on. You know, you, you were boasting about getting nearest. All right, all right.
2: <laughs> um... Alright, for Forest, I think we're gonna lose. Um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go two one. Two one.
0: to Forest,
2: yeah. Yeah. I am not confident. I'm not I'm not confident.
0: Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Uh Micah, what do you think? Uh what?
3: I'm also not confident, but I also don't have the balls to come on a QPR podcast to say that I think we're gonna lose. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say we draw one all.
0: I think I agree with you there. One all is probably what it's gonna be. And Cardiff, Michael, stick with you so Dan can have the final words. I haven't got a single prediction right this
3: season, I don't think. (laughs) So I'm gonna I I think we will be Cardiff though. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna say 2-0 to Rangers.
0: 2-0 Rangers and Dan, Mister Pessimistic.
3: Oh, i have only predicted <laughs> What? That's the first defeat of the, the season.
0: Um, I wish this would no. be the first defeat of the season. Then we would have a much yeah. happier podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh,
3: I'm
2: gonna go for a. I'm gonna
0: go three-two win. <laughs> no, you can't just. Just because I called you pessimistic. No,
2: yeah. no. I think we're gonna. I think it's gonna be an end-to-end game. I think it's gonna surprise us. Um. No, but I probably would have gone for a draw, but I'll, I'll go for a win this time. I'll throw Who's my neck on the line either way. Who's scoring for Cardiff? Is it Aidan Flint and Sean no, Nice? It's, it's, it's a keeper more double.
3: Oh God, yeah, that would happen to us, wouldn't it? You've got one goal all season and he gets a brace against us.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to say 1-0. Uh, as I said, I'm drawing parallels to that win last season that's going to boost our confidence and push us on. To Have you got faith in a clean sheet? clean sheet against a type that scored one in eight games. That's just written in the card, isn't it? I can't lie. If if we're ever going to get a clean sheet, it's going to have to be Cardiff, isn't it? It has to be, isn't it? Just just saying. It has has to be. Um, Guys, thank you so much for coming on. It's uh, been a thoroughly enjoyable podcast despite some pretty depressing uh, topics to cover. Obviously, thanks to Cam as well, but he had to disappear because... You know, I don't know if you heard his dad, but we'd like to welcome Cam's dad also onto the podcast. The more the merrier. Um, yeah, that's everything for this week. So uh, please do all the things that you would normally do with your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Our Generation Net. I think we've also got a Instagram account by the same name. We've got YouTube interviews up currently. Um, follow Subscribe to us on Spotify And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And I hope next time we can come to you with a bit more positivity. So thanks guys for joining us, joining me and we'll see you again soon.